Hey, well, good morning, everybody. And uh, why don't you take a look at each other and say, welcome home. And uh, enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Okay, hopefully that's what we, uh, we want to do. And we're going to be able to, I think, to help us get started on that. Uh, just what Don Burroughs talked about. Thank you, Don, for that communion and 46 years of service. Uh, we want to fix our eyes back on Jesus. Let's think about a couple of things, though, that are, that are going on. Odun and Patricia, so good having you here. It's great to be connected with brothers and sisters around the world. It's, uh, it, you know, that was a nice, polite clap. But for those of you who've been around for a while, you know it is one of the very distinctive things about our church. You pretty much can go anywhere around the world. We're talking about China. Yeah, we're talking about Africa. We're talking about Scandinavia. We're talking about South America. And you're going to have the same sort of spiritual family. You're going to see a diverse intergenerational group of, you know, just normal people that have feet of clay, but have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ and put him on his Lord. And there's this special sense and feeling, and you guys know that if traveled you sense it whenever you go when you're around a body of disciples okay and it's a worldwide fellowship that we have even though we're celebrating even this weekend as uh, as americans the uh, those that have fallen in service in our armed services you know for our country there are men and women all over the world that also have made sacrifices you know in their lives and their countries and we're, we're a part of god's plan to bless the nations. Have we been getting that in the book of Exodus? We'll get back to Exodus next week. And on June the 3rd, Jeff will start, uh, renew the series in Exodus chapter 18. And it'll help you out if you get a little bit of a runway and read 16, 17, and 18. And we'll be back in the book of Exodus to wrap it up in about four or five, five weeks. But first of all, we want to say thank you to all of you that helped these wild 250 campus students and you housed them and you loved them and you prayed for them. And they came from all over, not only from Accra, Ghana, but there were 60 ministers and interns from all around, not only the Southeast, but in Pittsburgh, New Jersey, Boston, Arizona, California, just Colorado, in so many places. And they, they, there's such an eagerness and a heart to be trained and to be equipped. Do we still have that today? Yeah. That fair to ask? Do you and I have the heart to continue to be taught to obey, to continue to, to, to be taught and trained how to make disciples that can make disciples to love God, love people, and change the world? Thank you for all of that. And we got this picture. If you don't frequent Facebook, here you go. The McGurks have landed, okay? You know, uh, and the invasion of Europe has once again begun, okay? They're there, and they're there to make disciples in all our campus ministries there. Uh, we used to have something called the One Suitcase Challenge. I guess that one has sort of gone the way of the dodo bird, actually. But let's pray for them and for our connections as this summer we always have up to about 200 of our members in North River that scatter around, really, the globe, this country and the globe, to be able to serve in so many different ways. And for that, all of us are grateful and, and glad we can play such a small part. And you know what? The body of Christ is growing. We got a new sister in Christ baptized on Wednesday night, okay? This is uh, Matika and her husband, Carlos. I don't know if Matika's here, probably the second service, but it was inspiring. Ladies, Come back to, uh, to Women's Midweek again this week. You might even get more surprises, okay? And great things happening. And uh, I think, Jeff, in the second service, um, K 
Kelly and I want to just highlight and talk to you about the amazing example you and your family are. You and your girls, this is the fourth adult baptism in the Sprayberry Sports Complex. Okay, that juggernaut of sports, which is Sprayberry. Okay, and all of their, you know, and coaches and parents and others. And Jeff, you and Chris here are a beautiful example of community. It's what we all want. And when we talk about community groups and family groups, we're talking about making an impact on our community and neighborhood where we live. Not just getting a little gathering where we can take care of each other, which is important, but to be able to impact our community. And aren't you glad for many examples among us, but the Hickmans are one, you know, that, that, uh, that we have to say, amen, I'm inspired. Okay, but not as inspiring as Jesus, Jeff, sorry, all right? It's the J-Force, but looking for Jesus. Okay, here's what we want to do. I got refocused over the last, uh, uh, last several weeks on Jesus. And we have a, a, a growing church. We have a big church. In some ways, there are a lot of different areas that we're involved in. And uh, you have Generosity Sunday, and you have all of these special events and honorings and things that we have. And sometimes in the busyness even of church life, you can kind of lose your focus on Jesus. On like why we are doing this in the first place. That's got to be the reason why your rear end is in that seat this morning, right? I mean, there may be other factors. But it's Jesus' church. It's his bride. And that's what captured our heart initially. And we'll keep doing it again and again and again. So the last several weeks, I've just been digging into the Gospels. And I really appreciate Exodus. And I like seeing the rest of the story in the Old Testament. As you see Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and some of these things coming together and laying the groundwork and helping us understand and be tutored along with this great big story of, of salvation. And, uh, and deliverance that God has, has penned for us, but it all funnels down into Jesus, and we got this great opportunity as disciples. You see, we don't have one, we don't have two, we don't have three, we don't have four books or gospels about Jesus that give us a different lens and a different focus in his life. You know, we got four of them, and then we got all these glimpses from Paul and the Apostle John and others to get a full view of Christ. And, and I just want to encourage us today with a real simple approach this morning as we refocus on Jesus and to simply ask you to keep looking for Jesus, keep looking so you can follow him and be aware of the rest of the story. You know, because when you read one of these accounts, you don't get all the pieces. I mean, it's just a, it's a few sentences long about something that may have been, you know, hours and hours or even days that were taking place. And you can go back and read all four of the Gospels. And in many cases, like what we'll look at today, that you get a glimpse in all of the same event through four different disciples and writers of the gospels turn over to matthew chapter 14 i referred to this a few weeks ago when we took our uh, our generosity sunday and about this great miraculous sign in john chapter 6 it is another account of this story where there there's a big crowd and they have a lot of needs they need to be healed they need to be taught and as it turns out because they'd been out for a long time they needed their basic physical needs to be met and needed to be fed as well. And so uh, and John calls this like this sign that helped people know this was the prophet who was to come. And if you're open in Matthew chapter 14 or if you're following along here, you'll remember this, 
this, this uh, familiar story, but we're also going to go back and look a little deeper in some of the other aspects of what we might call the rest of the story. Now, we see that when Jesus landed, you know, he saw this large crowd and he had compassion on them. That's what Jesus always did. Other accounts said he looked at them like a sheep without a shepherd. He, he saw they needed to be led and loved and protected. And it goes as evening approached and he healed the sick. As evening approaches, the disciples came and they said to them, hey, this is a remote place, it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and, and, and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they really don't need to go away. You guys give them something to eat. <laughs> we only have five loaves and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me which is the key to every issue that we have in life. Every problem that we've got, if you, and, and whether you don't have enough food, you don't have enough money, you don't have enough energy, you don't have enough friends, you don't have enough purpose in your life, bring it to Christ. That's the deal. Bring it to Jesus and great things will happen instead of wringing your hands at how many needs there are around you and in your own life and family. You bring them to Jesus. And of course, we know the end result of this story, you know, uh, the, as you read along in the rest of that account, a few more verses, the end result, they were all fed with plenty left over. And the number of those who ate were 5,000 men besides the women and the children. I think the best way to get a grasp of this is reading the scriptures and praying and asking God, you know, for insight. Sometimes it helps to be able to see a little bit more of a modern version, you know, of this. And there are videos and there are, are things that can help us with this. I've got just a brief clip I want to play. And so what I'm trying to do this morning is to put yourself in the crowd, try to put yourself in that scene, and let's see if we can't learn some things that are going to help make our journey much, uh, much better as we follow Christ. We're ready to go. They've come a long way. They're hungry. Give them food. you bring us. Our Father in heaven feeds the birds of the air. How much more will he give to you? was just one artist's rendition, you know, or kind of view on how that event might have, been take, might have taken place. Uh, you can see uh, if you read different commentaries, if you read different like renditions of this, you'll see different people have different takes 
on how all of this went down, maybe even how this great sign happened and this miracle happened and how, you know, it exactly was accomplished. The one thing I wanted you to notice particularly among this, aside from the fact that these are real events and they really happened, our faith is rooted in fact and history, not in wishful thinking or not in just in a, a, a general spiritual sort of outlook. Here's the thing. All of us have basically, most of us rather, have made that decision to follow Jesus, okay? One of the things that you learn, if you make a decision to follow Jesus and spend much time around him, you got to be prepared for something. What's that? Crowds. (laughs) Masses of people. Ever feel like you want to be alone? Now, we got a smaller service here on, uh, on Sunday morning at 9. It's particularly small at 9. It would be nice to have us all here at 9. So that's a summer project, you know, for us all. But it's a smaller crowd. However, even in a group this size, 250, 300 people, you know, here this morning, some of us are not particularly comfortable around crowds. Am I right? That's not how you're wired. You're more comfortable in an intimate setting or with a few friends. And when we get a big group around us, you're you're just not as comfortable. And yet when you read the Bible, this is so, so crystal clear that where Jesus was around, more and more people came and crowds were there in every way. You know what my favorite thing in life is? My favorite thing in life is to be alone with Kelly, my wife. That's it. My second favorite thing is to be alone myself. That's my second favorite thing. And it's neck and neck sometimes. And it's an amazing thing because on one hand, you know, I've got a fairly enthusiastic personality and I try to put myself into what I do, but my DNA is a loner. And all the people in my family going generation are loners. You know, their natural thing is to get away. When I want to be, you know, feel good and relaxed, I don't want to hang out with tons of people. Now, here's the thing. When you hang around Jesus, there are tons of people. And the more you become like Christ, it's the Holy Spirit within you, you actually become more and more comfortable with it and understand the need to minister to people. Have you noticed that in your Christian life? And so a salute to you guys who also have a little bit of a loner gene in you and don't particularly like being around crowds, but you do it because you love God and love people. God's spirit has been put, you know, into, uh, you know, into your heart. It's an important thing to think about, even, in, you know, in church. Uh, here's the thing I've noticed over a whole lot of years of being in the ministry. When God's uh, spirit is alive and moving among people and among his church, it grows. It could be a small group, a family group. It can be a community or a sector. It can be a church, but it's inevitable. It's going to grow. There are going to be more people. There are going to be more strangers. There are going to be more, you know, uh, people you like and more people that you really don't like, you know, and don't particularly, you know, want to be around. There'll be more and more and more people. And if you're, you, you decide to be, a, I'm going to be a part of a church that stays the same and it's the same, same place that it was, you know, 10 years ago. 15 years, 20 years ago, amen, that's your choice. But when God's spirit and the word is being preached, it's going to grow. There are going to be large numbers of people. I mean, simply because a disciple reaches out to people. 
and loves people and cares about people. So church, while we're still small at nine o'clock, let's enjoy it and let's learn to be even more like Christ and regardless of our personality, our inclinations, just be prepared. If I'm gonna hang around Jesus for long and particularly want to be close to him, I'm gonna have to get used to a lot of people being around. What do you see in this great story just, you know, highlighted? Jesus' love and compassion for people. Amen? We all got a ways to go in that. Also, a seemingly impossible problem that's on their hand. And yet, when you bring it to Jesus, the solution, you know, takes place. And then I think, lastly, one of the things that, uh, you know, that I always see is um, in spite of these huge needs, there's multiplication that takes place. Because Jesus can take what you have, your energy, the, the abilities you have in your life or your church or your situation, and he can multiply it. This is the beauty of God's, of God's plan. But you know, there actually is a little bit more, you know, in this. There's a little bit more. It's, uh, it, it's, it's the, the rest of the story. Most of us, want to be alone sometimes, right? But sometimes we need to be alone. And we're going to see a couple of examples of this in a little bit of the backstory, you know, that's going, you know, that's going on. Okay, if you look further up in your Bible, up and around in verse 9, what is the context of this? We started reading where Jesus, you know, saw this crowd and he, he starts healing them and he spends a lot of time until late in the day and then try and figures out how to feed them and meet their needs. Here's the backstory. It leads right up to this, okay? In verse 9, this king, you know, Herod was distressed because of his oaths and his dinner guests. He ordered her request granted. What request? John the Baptist, Jesus' uh, cousin, close friend, the person who baptized him, part of his extended family, is in jail for preaching repentance, for making, making way, ways for the kingdom of God, for Jesus to come and do his ministry. And then, but uh, uh, through these events, uh, the, the king's wife had it in for John and worked out a plan and a plot to get the king. The king was drunk. He, he, he had a lot of dinner guests there, and he beheaded John. His head was brought on a platter and given to the girl who had been dancing for him, who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came, took his body, and buried it. They went and they told Jesus. This king had no intention of beheading John the Baptist before that dinner party, but he got manipulated. Okay, and so because he had fear of, of John the Baptist, but because of his oaths and the dinner guests, he chops off John's head. And then they went and they told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to, do you see this? A solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him in foot from, you know, from the towns. Jesus was emotionally spent, wiped out, slammed. That ever happened to you? You get the sudden message, somebody really close to you, tragically, brutally murdered. What did Jesus want to do? What would you and me want to do? Help me out. 
Get away. Go to a solitary place. He needed some time alone and with his friends. But when Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. This man is worth following, right? And he's Lord and the son, uh, you know, son of God. This happens to us, you know, in our life. Not only when we want to be alone, but when we need to be alone and we're emotionally, you know, kind of wiped, uh, you know, kind of wiped out. Uh, but the thing is, the needs are still there, aren't they? And the more we become like Jesus, and this is a high calling, it's the greatest calling, you know, on earth to become like him and to be able to open our hearts and become more like God and more like Christ and be able to, to, to be around people but also love them and minister to them. Still get away and have fun with your friends and hang out and there is time you can see where Jesus gets away. Okay, and he'll go to a party and he'll go to a wedding. All those kinds of things that, that we do. But when there was a need, he gave it everything, you know, that he had. It's such an inspiration, you know, to me, like in every, you know, in every way. I... Uh, Found out this morning that uh, Carl, Carl Lynn's mom passed away at 1.30 this morning. A lot of us know Carl. He's big, handsome, burly usher there, you know, in our, you know, our services. I remember standing next to him back in the back on Mother's Day because his mom was in hospice, and he was out here serving, helping all of us, and the brothers got up here and sang that Mama song. Do you remember? Some of you were crying, and there were tears in many eyes, for many, probably multiple reasons. And Carl was back there trying not to sob. We were standing right there by Chris back in the, back in the sound booth. But, you know, he was hurting. But he was doing his best to serve you and me. Got some other examples. Kim Parker lost her dad this week. Um, Princess Rowan lost her dad. We sent this out. You know, there are a lot of times you're just really, really hurting but you're still a Christian, and you want to be the best that you can, you know, to be able to give and to love and be ministered to. Let's say a prayer. Father in heaven, we know there's just so many needs around us. It's, it's truly overwhelming. Just the need of people to be, be healed, to be loved, to be taught, to be equipped. And, Lord, sometimes we're hurting, and we pray for our brother Carl and our sister Kim and, and, and Princess, and pray you'll, you'll bless them and you'll, you'll, you'll take care of their needs, you know, this week. And, and thank you for their hearts. I know that this is who they are in following you, that they'll still look for ways to give and serve their family, the rest of their family, even when they're hurting. Lord, help us to, uh, to really look deeply and see the rest of the story on a lot of the things that are happening around us so we can be more and more effective and more in tune in being able to really help people in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. There's a little bit more. As you look at another account of the Gospels in Mark chapter 6, you'll, uh, you'll be able to see uh, it's the same account of the feeding of the 5,000. In this situation, it starts off by saying the apostles gathered around Jesus and they reported what they had done and what they had taught. Well, the immediate context also is right before this, you know, and right before they got the word about John the Baptist, Jesus had sent out the disciples two by two. 
He sent the 12 out, and they went out sharing their faith, and they had a campaign to, uh, to talk to as many people about God as they could and try to find people's homes that were open that would eventually become the house churches, probably in the early you know, uh, first century after the church kind of exploded onto the scene. And so they'd come back, and they had, uh, it, it, Jesus had a staff meeting with them. And said, okay, tell me how it went, guys. Okay, so this is the context of this. And then, because so many people, the Bible says, were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. Jesus said, hey, guys, come with me by ourselves to a quiet place, and, 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 and we'll get some rest. And maybe a sandwich, chicken sandwich, not pork. So they went away by themselves in a boat to what? A solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. You see another aspect of it? Jesus was a human, flesh and blood, and the guys, they were tired. They wanted to rest, to get something to eat, to just get away from everybody. How did that turn out? And so not only is Jesus emotionally slammed he's hungry he's tired the disciples are hungry and tired but the needs in this case don't go away and they're run down and all they want is just to get alone to get some time by themselves I don't know when I read this stuff I, I tend to just get even more and more inspired any of you guys have Murphy's Law when you try to go on vacation or get some time by yourself? Anybody do that? We had this period for Kelly and I. We like to try to get away. We've had this timeshare we've had for the last 22 years. And we like to get away at the end of August and just get some time. It's just us. Of course, we pray and we read the Bible and we think about you and how much we love you. You know, no doubt. Okay, but we do get away. And it's like inevitable on, on many of these vacations, we'll get the phone call from one of our kids. And if you know my family, you can take a wild guess who is the predominant phone call is coming from. We'll get a call from one of our kids and there is some disaster. Okay, there's some issue and we got to jump on that thing when we're just trying to get away and get a little time to catch our breath. But you got, you, you're still a dad and a mom, right? And you kind of zero in and you try to help out the best that you can. I, I love my wife so much. I mean, she's, she's a great wife and a mom and a mimi. But, but also, I see her, she works very hard uh, as a women's ministry leader here. She pours her life into so many relationships, her peers and also those who are young that are being trained. And we'll get home and at 9 o'clock, you know, at night, and then she'll get this text or she'll get, you know, a phone call. And her first response is, Oh, no, because it's somebody who had said, hey, I'd like to get a little help and a little counsel or a little advice, and she said, yeah, call me sometime, and she probably forgot she said it, you know, and then she's just, oh, and she grabs the phone, and she goes upstairs, and she's up there for 45 minutes, and she comes down, and oh, I had a great talk, and she's bouncing and really happy, and I dodged having to watch an episode of Dancing with the Stars. I mean, it's a lot of things to be grateful for. But she's come, and she actually is kind of refreshed. But I just get inspired by that every time because the needs are still there. And then, but somehow God does refresh you. Aren't you grateful we have the Holy Spirit and we got examples? And, and when we do our best 
to let the spirit of Christ reign and not our emotions and not our feelings and sometimes even our crying needs, it helps build our character. And it draws us closer to God and we can all make progress in this. No, no doubt. In John chapter 6, in, in a lot of ways, this, this intriguing rest of the story culminates for me. You know, in Matthew, Luke, and, uh, you know, in Mark, uh, there are not any names that are mentioned. It just says, you know, uh, you know, the general things that people said or the disciples said, and, and here's some fish, and, you know, and here's some bread. John identifies it a little more closely, and he actually, he actually identifies Philip and Andrew and a boy. And on this, I just uh, summarize this by saying we're all a part of this story that God, you know, is doing. And so actually, Jesus asked Philip a question, as you can see here, or if you're there in your Bible, he actually says he was testing Philip a little bit. And he said, where are we going to get food, to, you know, for all these people to eat? He already had in mind what he was going to do, but he was, he was just kind of working with Philip to disciple him and pull things out of his heart. And, you know, Philip, you know, you know responds, uh, we don't have verse 7 in there, hey, you know, you, you'd have to have eight months' wages to feed this crowd. There's no way to do that. But then... Andrew, and Andrew has this beautiful ability, like some of you do here in the audience, he just constantly is bringing people to Jesus, okay? Like he brings his brother, uh, you know, Peter there, and he brings this boy. It's one of the greatest Christian attributes if you're just somebody who, who makes connections, and you just bring people you know, to meet other Christians and, and, and to come to church or come to your family group and you're just, you're, you're connecting and Andrew is doing that and he, 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 he all, all the other guys are saying, no way. And, and Andrew said, well, we got this kid here and he got five fish and, or five loaves and two fish. And that's all Jesus needs, right? But this boy steps, steps forward and as I've said before, like as many commentators, you know, uh, surmise, that might have not have been the only lunch in the crowd, Okay, you know, that was there, but this is the little boy that came forward, you know. But how, how will it go among so many? Well, we already know the answer to that because we've read it, you know, many, many, you know, many, many times. We're all a part of the story, and maybe here's the most intriguing part of all to me. The next verse, what we read, is after this, after people saw the feeding of the 5,000, here's what John says. They saw this sign, or miraculous sign, or, you know, this event, and they, they started noting more, wow, this has got to be the guy. This must be the guy, the prophet, who was going to come. Now, have you noticed carefully this verse? Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew by to a mountain by himself. And when you read common, you know, commentaries and you study this thing out, I still remember studying this out in graduate school, people do raise the question, what exactly were 5,000 men doing in a solitary place in the desert? What exactly was their agenda? They need, they need, need lunch? They're just dying to go on a desert and go, you know, hear another sermon? The Bible tells you clearly what a lot of them had in mind. Do you see it? They intended to force Jesus' hand 
and make him be king. Now, Jesus said, I am a king, but not of what? Of this world. And he resisted that, and he, he got away. This has happened time after time after time after century after century after a century. We as humans take Jesus Christ because he is without any question the pinnacle of all of history. He's the one who is worthy of our honor, of getting down on our knees, of our praise, of our songs, of, 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 of following him into death. And yet people all through the ages have tried to make Jesus and to make him into something he is not, to move forward their agenda instead of his. Do you recognize the temptation for you? This, this, is, this, is, this is like just part of our DNA. When I became a Christian back in the uh, end of 1969 and 1970, the big thing about Jesus was Jesus is a revolutionary. There were revolutionary times, and he was used as the inspiration for Fidel Castro and, you know, over, you know governments being overthrown in other parts of the world. And it's just, you know, you, now he's the inspiration for the prosperity movement, okay? And you follow Jesus and your life is just going to get better and better and, and wonderful. You, you, it's just happened through the years. We do it with Christmas. We do it with Easter. And we make it into something that it originally was not, which is this great celebration, you know, of the birth of Christ or the death of Christ, and we turn it into a commercial bonanza. It's just what we do. You can do this in the church where we take Jesus and... and, and, and he more promotes our agenda so we can be happy and comfortable and taken care of instead of being equipped to make disciples and to love God, love people, and change the world. Be real careful here. Every single one of us has to overcome that. And every church has got to do this, to make this into something it was never intended to be. You know that... Um, this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, as we wrap this, you know, up, they tell us that 60% of all of us are going to be at barbecues Memorial Day weekend. There's more beer being sold on this weekend than any other weekend except the 4th of July. Some of you have gotten emails about sales. I succumbed to one this week and bought a new shirt, 75% off. <laughs> nice and comfortable. That's what it is. But that's not what Memorial Day is about, is it? Yeah, there'll be the Indianapolis 500, and yeah, there'll be the Coca-Cola 600, and there'll be baseball games. But it's to honor all of those who've died in armed services in, in support of our country. There, there are hundreds of thousands, 200,000 flags in D.C. marking this. In Boston, 37,000 little flags in, you know, in a garden. It's, it's there to help us remember Take some time and remember. Not only this weekend, remember Jesus and the rest of the story and get inspired, you know, from all that we've learned. You know, bring your problems to Jesus. When all you want to do is to be alone, try to be like Jesus. You know, we're all part of the story and let's stop trying to make Jesus into something he's not. Happy Memorial Day, however you choose to serve, to, you know, to celebrate it this weekend. 
But let's decide to follow Jesus. And the rest of our story is going to be a good one. Let's stand and sing.